This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. As you write down your positive and negative thoughts and feelings, you can identify patterns and recognize the connection between your thoughts, your actions, and your reality. Valeria Tellez interviews Tanaz Hosseinpour, the author of The Guide, Manifesting Abundance, free 21-day guided journal. Tanaz Hosseinpour, founder of Minutes on Growth Coaching, is an author, certified life coach, and family mediator specializing in personal development and relationships with a strong academic background in family mediation and dispute resolution law. She provides one-on-one coaching to individuals and couples and group coaching inside the Become Your Most Loved program, the first integrative coaching and therapy program in the GCC. She is also the host of the Minutes on Growth podcast. Meet Tanaz at minutesongrowth.com. Here is the interview with Tanaz Hosseinpour. In your own words, who is Tanaz Hosseinpour? Tanaz Hosseinpour, well, she is a spirit experiencing a human experience during the 21st century, during a pandemic and is exploring and experiencing life through the lens of different visions as as a coach, as a daughter, as a partner, as a sister, and trying to serve in the best way possible. How did you come to that understanding, Tanaz, about yourself, of who you are and how you express yourself in this reality? Well, I think I experienced a life quake. Um, I always say life quake, like an earthquake, but for our life. Oh, yeah. Tell me about Um, it. (laughs) (laughs) When I was around um, 21 years old. And prior to that, I've always loved to read. But the books that I would read were always nonfiction and autobiographies. And I think during that life quake, my mom handed over a book by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And... In that book, I saw a lot of my, a lot of myself that I had dismissed in the past. It was, it was an awakening, um, but it was a minor awakening, I would say. Right. And over the years, my understanding of myself has definitely evolved and grown. Uh, but that was the starting point. It was, it was during the darkest of days that I was able to see the light within. Yeah, yeah, I hear that a lot, and I have experienced that myself. So the idea of seeing the light in the dark. So I'm wondering if we are able to see the light in the light. Is that somehow possible? 
I definitely agree. So I think when we're in the present moment, mm. I think that, that I think that comes at a much more evolved state to be able to right. see the light and the light, because that means mm. you're in, you're so much in the present moment mm. that you see everything as a blessing. You see everything through the eyes of this came from the source and therefore it must be good. Mm. But at the beginning, I think um, Rumi said it best. Um you know, it is it is in our wounds where the light enters. So right. that that creates the awakening and hopefully we get to a place where we see pleasure and we see blessings in everything, good mm-hmm. and bad. And that kind of makes me think about abundance, that that connects to that state of being, right? Tanas. Being in the light, you're living the light and seeing life as abundance or with abundance. So we can never be without life because life is everything. Beautiful. Exactly as you said. There is never a point in time where something ends and something else starts. There's always, the flow is always there. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so well, my practices are a little mm-hmm. bit unorthodox, especially <laughs> for those who are just beginning. And this was a practice that my teacher played, um, used with me, and it's the rubber band practice. So, you know, I had to wear a rubber band around my around my hands, and whenever I would notice my thoughts go away from the present moment, I had to pull it. And oh. that pain that oh. created on my <laughs> wrist kind of brought me back to the moment. So that's how I trained oh, wow. my mind. <laughs> um, wow. But also the breath. The breath is so powerful, and we don't think about it as much. And I didn't think about it as much until I became a breathwork coach as well. And since then, I'm, I'm noticing the moments that my mind goes to the pre- uh, goes to the future, goes to the past, are the moments that I'm not breathing deeply. They are very shallow breaths. So the breath is very powerful. And then uh, let me say, do have yeah this question? I often ask everyone, except for few people, perhaps the purpose of life to be in a human body. What do you think the purpose is the, of the human experience? To serve and to leave the world much better than when we entered it. And we do that through our uniqueness and through the way that we share our message, through the way that we share our story, through the way that we share our talents and our passions. You know, everyone really, really has something unique within them that only they can do the way that they can do it. And when we step into that truth, that is the ultimate purpose of life. And, uh, you know, ultimately we're serving humanity. We are here to serve so that so that you, the universe can serve us. It's a give and take relationship. Another question I ask related to that is choosing. Do you believe that we have chosen to be here in a human body and to serve? Or this is something that is just life being life? Well, my personal belief is that everything that we are experiencing, our soul has chosen it. Coming from, you know, the parents that we choose, the environment that we choose, those are the environments and the triggers that will help us elevate the level of consciousness of our soul. So if we enter the world with a 50% consciousness, then we're going to choose parents, we're going to choose an environment, a nationality, a circumstance that is going to reflect within us the desire to evolve so that we can leave this world at 
let's say, a 70% level of consciousness. So I, that's my personal belief that, yes, we, our soul has chosen the circumstances, but the beauty of it all is the free will. Yes, the soul chose it, and then it's our choice. Will I elevate or will I choose to stay in victimhood consciousness? There's always free will involved. And when you say spirit, soul, are those words are used the same way in the same way or they are somehow different? In my opinion, they're the same. I believe that soul, spirit, the higher self, mm -hmm. universal energy, they all represent the, the more evolved version of ourself, the more evolved version of the body. So yeah, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. What is freedom to you, Tanas? Yeah, how do you perceive this idea of freedom? I believe that freedom is the ability to look beyond the illusion of separation. I think the moment that we can see beyond that and we can see the exactly as you said, the oneness and the unity of everything, the interconnectedness of everything, mm -hmm. then we are free from anything that is holding us small or holding us confined to the limitations of the mind. So you wrote the guide title Manifesting Abundance, Free 21 Day Guided Journal. Talk to me about how did you become a writer and also the inspiration and the intention of writing this guide? I think I've always been a writer. I have I was the kid that was obsessed with reading and writing since the day that I I can remember. I remember I ran away from home at the age of two because my parents oh. wouldn't enroll me in school. <laughs> there was no school oh. that would enroll me. <laughs> so writing and reading has always been a part of me. Um, I, I wrote that guided journal because for me, journaling has always been the easiest way for me to connect to source. And... I wanted other people to experience what I was experiencing, but I also wanted to give them, I didn't want to just throw them in the park. I wanted to hold their hand in the park until they were ready to let go of themselves. And that's where the guided prompts come from. And, you know, I, I really, really, really believe that when everyone steps into their truth and they become the most empowered version of themselves, mm -hmm. the world that we live in becomes so much better. So there is a part of me that is so selfish. I want everyone to be their best version so that I can live in a better world. So, yeah. so that's pretty much where it comes from. It was this need and this desire to to um, you know share with people what I have experienced and what has helped my life, even in the darkest of days, even in the moments that I didn't, things didn't go as the way my mind wanted it to go. And journaling was always there for me. And that connection to source was always there for me. And, you know, if, if only we knew the power of the source that is walking beside us at all times, we would never fe feel fear or doubt or, or any pain. So mm. I just wanted to gift people with that, the ability to, to feel that connection the same way I did. It sounds to me like trust to live, to experience this life the way you do, you did and do. What does it take, Tanaz? Is that uh, surrender, trust? You're, I mean, beautifully said, surrender and trust for sure. The word that I has been my word for the past couple of years has been certainty. So certainty that I am guided 
certainty that I am supported, that I am protected, and most importantly, certainty that everything that I'm experiencing is for my highest good, and it comes from the source, it comes from the creator. When something comes from the source and creation, there can't be any negativity to it or any, you know, it can't be bad. These are the labels that the mind creates so that it feels that it has control over the situation. But in in, in reality, you know, when Dr. Wayne Dyer beautifully said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. So, you know, it's just perspective and, and, and again, bringing it back to certainty, certainty that everything in this moment is, is, is as exactly as it should be. And it's my job to see it through the eyes of love, through the eyes of oneness and unity. And talk to me for a moment about the uh, your minutes on growth coaching, the service you offer. Yeah, so I mean, my background is in is in law. It's in family mediation, and then I went into management. It was never my intention to be a coach, but I really believe that you know we plan and God laughs sometimes because that's our, the way we need to share the message. I am not doing anything. I'm just a vessel to channel the the message. I'm just opening myself up to hear and to share. And that's exactly what happened. I had a book club and in the book club, one of the girls said, you know what, why don't you just uh, do coaching? And I was like, let me look into it. And then I went and I, and that's pretty much how it started. It, it came through the words of someone else. And Minutes on Growth was founded three years ago as a podcast. And then it grew into a coaching business and you know it just it grew from there and for me the transformation that people experience and I specialize primarily in mindset and relationships that is what I feel why I'm here right now maybe this maybe this vision will change in 10 years but right now my soul feels at ease um, doing that and, and that's what we do we do one-on-one coaching we do group group programs uh, last year we launched the first integrative coaching and therapy program about relationships in the in the Middle East and for women by women and um, you know in, in, a, in a environment where it's taboo to talk about these things so uh, as an Aquarius, I feel like that's mm-hmm. my job to break <laughs> to break taboos. And another question that I ask some of my guests is when we are living that purpose or this sense of knowing why we are here, what are the signs tonight? Some of the signs that clearly show us that we are on the right path. Well, my first answer might not be um, what people expect, but it's it's the path where we are challenged. It's a path where the universe triggers us to see, are we going to practice what we preach? Are we going to, you know, walk the talk? That's so important. Um, so it's going to test our authenticity. It's going to test our, our truth. So for, sh- for sure, it's a path that is going to push us to be better. And it's going to push us through these challenges. Um, I mean, challenges, in my opinion, are opportunities for growth, but they're going to push us through these experiences. And also, you know, we, we know that this is what we need to be doing if if what we're doing is not only serving our highest good but the highest good of all and this is so important you know i i even tell people when you're manifesting say either this or better because 
you know, the human mind is limited and, and we think this is what I need to be doing or this is what I need to have. But the universe has bigger plans for you. So surrendering to to more, to better, to more involvement and uh, knowing that, you know, what I'm doing every day that I'm waking up, I'm bringing a smile to my face and to others and I'm serving something bigger than myself. I think purpose is serving something bigger than ourselves. The law of attraction, I heard about, I hear about, and I know some things about it. How did you come across the law of attraction? How did that work for you before we talk about some of the steps? You have those five steps to manifesting your desires, which is connected to the law of attraction. So before we talk about that, please um, talk to me about those two questions, if you still remember them. <laughs> yeah. So what, it, how did I come to start practicing the law of attraction? Um, well, I think it, a lot of it started with self-awareness, noticing that, okay, when I'm sad, you know, when it rains, it pours, it's a saying, why was that saying there for me? I'm quite, I mean, you can tell with a background in law, I'm quite logical. So I always think, okay, why, why does this exist? Why are we talking about this? And it got me to study, you know, all these great, wonderful teachers out there, you know, Bob Proctor, Michael Beckwith, all these people were talking about, um, you know, this, this energetic force, the way that mind works, the power of the subconscious mind, by the way, which is a great, great book, the power of the subconscious mind. And as I started to read these books, I said, okay, if 99.9% of the world is energy and less than 1% is matter, then there is something beyond my body's eyes that I'm experiencing. Um, so I just started to study it from a very you know, academic perspective. And then I said, okay, I love to talk. I I'm my archetype as a teacher. I've always been that as a kid. I used to pretend to be a teacher with my friends during the weekends. I don't know how that was fun, but for me it was so much fun. So I said, okay, I need to figure out how I can pass this knowledge on to other people, but I'm not going to pass something until I've practiced it. So I would, you know, sit down and say, okay, let me focus on this one thing. And And with the law of, you know, thoughts gaining momentum after a couple of seconds, I, I would test it on my body, on the feelings, on the vibrations that my body was feeling. And then I took it, you know, a step further and said, okay, let me try to manifest X, Y, and Z. And, um, and yeah, that's how I started working with the law of attraction. And then I decided I want to share it with people. And of course, again, nothing I'm saying is new. This is everything that has been channeled through so many wonderful sages and teachers over the years. And, uh, I just wanted to simplify it for millennials and um, my circle and my community and everyone resonates with a different message. And I think that's the beauty of, of, you know, having, uh, believing in our purpose because there are millions of people saying what I'm saying, but the people, but everyone resonates to a certain voice, to a certain way of hearing things. So yeah. yeah and that's, that's why I decided to share it with everyone. Yeah, and I'm glad you did. So I wanted to explore that a little bit more in the second question related to the law of attraction is the misconceptions. What are some of the misconceptions about the law of attraction that most of us have? Oh, the biggest one is that people think it's just the thoughts. And um, okay, if I think good thoughts, and I think that was the misconception that people had with the with the movie The Secret, because they didn't dive deep into you know, this this the third step, which uh, well, it's the fourth step in my in my plan. But there is no attraction without action. 
literally the word action is an attraction. So it requires us to show up to our lives to the best of our ability and, you know, to, to actually make a conscious decision to elevate our, um, sorry, do you, do you have me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. To to elevate our uh, state of awareness and consciousness. And we do that by actually taking inspired action. We do that by, you know, shifting our perspective, by doing mindset work, by showing up, um, stepping outside of our comfort zone, by breaking limitations within ourselves, by, you know, meditating, by doing yoga, by journaling, by breath work, all of these things, by, by engaging with our community, by practicing gratitude, being in service of others. This is the part that people are missing. It's not just, okay, universe, this is what I want. So I'm going to sit in my bed and think about, you know, finding the dream husband. Unless you get up and step outside of the house and allow people to see your face, the universe isn't going to drop a husband in your lap. Um, so there, it requires some effort. We, I, we are co-creators. It's 50% us and 50% the universe but that's the biggest misconception people think it's 100 percent the universe and we have no say in it yeah and we just don't do anything about it yeah (laughs) yeah we just stay in our thoughts um so true i have heard that before and i think i did that too perhaps even these days when i think about the law of attraction i i relate to only thoughts and that might be because of the secret you're right because i remember watching that but I think they do talk about that, right, Tanaz, in that video? About- yeah, they do. They do. They just didn't, di- like, dig deep yeah, into it. And that's enough. why people just... And, you know, that's right. also how the mind works. The mind is always looking for the easiest way out. True. So <laughs> it's like selective hearing. Yeah. Okay, let's just let's just sit <laughs> and think deep thoughts. And that's, by the way, I've also experienced what you said. I, there also was a period in my life where that's exactly what I was doing, and I wasn't taking action. And then I'd be like, okay, this isn't working. Like, something isn't working. And... Uh, then I realized, ah, there's another step. It's actually me showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That sounds like common sense, doesn't it? Just doing something about what we want so we can be in alignment for that realization of that. It's not easy, actually. I think that's what it is, really. We want things easy. We want it to be mm-hmm. easy, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the five steps, that would be wonderful if we can go through them. Are you okay going through the five steps or you want yeah. to... Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, of course. So the first step is gaining clarity on what it is that we actually desire. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, when I ask people, what do you want? They, the answer they give me is an answer that they've been socially conditioned to say. It is what their parents want. It's what their society wants, what their grandparents, what their teachers told them they should want. And then and then they procrastinate and then they don't show up to their life. And and I um, I love this technique of the seven le- seven levels of why. So why do you want this? And then question it seven times until you get to the root of it. If a desire doesn't belong to you, you're not going to show up to the best of your ability. So the first step is always gaining clarity on your desires. What is it that I desire? Does it belong to me? And am I willing to show up for it? Um, so that's step one. It's gaining clarity on your desires. Step two is actually asking for it. So saying, you know, this is what I want. The the universe, people around us, every, you know, I see this in relationships as well. He should just know. She should just know. No, we are here to communicate and to express 
what we want. And this is the power, in my opinion, the power of writing. When we write something down, it's like we're signing a contract with the universe. Hey, this is what I want. Um, These are my terms and conditions. Um, So that's step two, asking, saying it out loud. Um, The third is the beauty of surrendering. So mm-hmm. saying, okay, yeah. I know that I am a co-creator, not a soul creator. So I'm going to invite divine guidance. Um, it's like when we plant a seed in a garden, we don't go to the seed every day and say, when are you going to grow? When are you going to mm-hmm. grow? We, <laughs> yeah, have this, we have this <laughs> level of certainty and trust that, okay, if I give it adequate water and sunlight, it mm-hmm. will grow. There is no doubt. There's no shadow of doubt in our mind. And this is what we need. We need that same level of certainty with the third one, knowing that if we give our desire the adequate amount of everything that it needs to grow, it will grow, which brings us to step four, taking inspired action. What is it that our desire needs? Is it doing mindset work? Is it you know, practicing gratitude every day, which as cliche as it sounds, is one of the most powerful and easiest and you know, most cost-effective ways to, to raise our vibration. And, you know, is it doing service to others? Is it, you know, what do I, what do I need to change within me so that I become an embodiment of the person who has already manifested that? So, you know, we, we say once when I have, when I have syndrome, or when I have this, I'll be happy. You know, when I have a million dollars, I'll start to dress differently. I'll start, I'll start to talk differently. When I have the best partner, I promise I'll be calm. I'll be calm becoming calm now. So embodying that, that now so that the, because subconscious mind doesn't know what is real and what is not, whatever we feed it, it, it takes it as objective truth. So when we start to act a certain way, the subconscious mind thinks something has changed and starts to actually believe that reality is a possibility. So that is step four. And step five is really to enjoy the process. Like have fun, you know, people think manifesting is so, don't make it difficult for yourself. Yes, it's not easy, but don't make it difficult. Have fun in every moment. A very powerful spiritual tool that I use with all my clients and myself is pause. What a pleasure. So even when the most challenging thing comes up, we pause and we say, what a pleasure this is happening. And that what a pleasure shifts our perspective to see the good in everything. And, uh, you know, we start to flow with life instead of resisting it and say, not why is this happening to me, but life is happening for me and through me. And, and this is just here to help me go to the next level. And in the next level, there's more abundance. In the next level, there's more light, there's more blessings. So it's always a win-win situation. But one of the things that I came across was fear. I mean, even asking the question, what do you want? I was afraid to answer that question because it was such a people's pleasing and in a sense of trying to be nice all the time and not hurting anyone. So what I wanted, I wanted to make sure that what wouldn't hurt anyone around me by embodying or living that. So fear, how have you dealt with fear? And it's okay to still be afraid while we do the work of manifesting? Yeah, I mean, I think fear is... 
fear is a natural part of life. And the reason it's a natural part of life is because it is the go-to emotion of the inner critic. The inner critic thrives off fear. Of course, we have two types of fear. We have real fear. So you're in the middle of the jungle and a lion is running after you. Yes, that's a real fear. And then we have perceived fears. Unfortunately, the inner critic uses perceived fears to keep us in a loop of dramatic experiences and victimhood consciousness, forcing us to play small, to stay in our comfort zone. And we start to mistake the inner critic's voice as our own voice. And we don't realize that that's a separate entity that has taken over our body. When we're kids, that fear doesn't exist. If you ask a child, what does he want to be? They'll say, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to be a doctor. And they really believe it as, as a possibility. Like they know with certainty that it's true, that it's possible for them. And then the older they get, the inner critic's voice grows louder and louder and louder until you get to a point where you think that is the truth. So with fear, I always say, is that voice your voice or is it the critic's voice? If it's the critic's voice, are you willing to let go of it? Are you willing to, to, to fight, to fight that voice? Um, it's like the critic sometimes conditions us to say to to respond in an angry tone and in that moment i tell people as soon as the word is coming out of your mouth can you fight the urge to say it and restrict yourself and go against your nature and instead of saying something angrily say something calmly or say nothing at all so with fear i think we have to we have to first acknowledge its root And then ask ourselves, am I willing to fight that natural urge to to be fearful? And the answer, in my opinion, is everyone has tremendous power within them to be the most fearless, courageous, brave human beings in the world. Our soul is so brave. Um, If only we would listen to our soul a little bit more than the critic. Beautifully said. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I know that some of us need to listen to this, need to know this truth. And some of us, like myself, need to be reminded of these things. So We all do. <laughs> yeah, right? That remembering. Yeah, it's so important. So thank you, Tanas. Thank you. I love the fun part <laughs> when you say manifesting is fun. You know, life is fun. Let's enjoy the process, the journey of being here, the adventure, really, of life or anything that we are we are doing. I love that message too. So I have a few more questions for you. The ending questions before I, I ask them. Would you like to add anything? Um, I think you, I think you're such a beautiful like you beautifully asked everything. Um, you're such an eloquent speaker, and uh, thank you so much for you know asking all of these questions. So I think you've covered uh, covered everything. The only thing that I would say really is when we're manifesting, please remember that you are an extension of Source. You are part of Source, and every quality and trait that Source has, we have. It exists within us. It is just awakening and tapping into that level of energy. So I I tell people, like if someone comes to me and says, I'm impatient, I'll tell them, okay, 80% of you is impatient, but there is a 20% of you that is so patient, but you have just stored it so deeply into your heart that you don't you don't see its light anymore. All you need to do is activate that 20%. Don't look outside of you. 
all that you seek, as Rumi beautifully says, is seeking you as well. So everything that you want, you're already the temple, the home to it. So recognize that power, that truth, and just activate it. Yes, yeah. So a few more questions. Let me see. I have way too many here, but I'll choose which one to ask you. This one, do you love yourself unconditionally? Do you believe in this idea? I think to love ourselves unconditionally, we must be willing to love all parts of ourselves, including the shadow, including the dark parts. And uh, do I love myself unconditionally? I try to, but there are days that um, I fail. And I think part of loving yourself is on those days that you fail to forgive yourself for feeling and to be so compassionate with yourself, uh, to treat yourself like your best friend. You know, how would you talk to your best friend? How would you treat your best friend? Um, you know, if you saw your best friend eating unhealthy food, would you, you know, what would you be, would you get sad and, um, everything in the mind, body, soul, it's, it's a full connection. And how would you treat that person? And are you willing to treat yourself in that same way? Um, so to answer your questions, there are days that I do and not even days. I think in a day there, I will go through moments that I'm so in love with myself. I look at myself in the mirror. When I'm doing mirror work, I love it. I'm like, yes, girl, I love you. I love you. And then, you know, I I get out of bed and I do something wrong and I'm like, oh, like, oops, why did I do that? And then I remind myself, it's okay. Like, so it's like, um, it's a roller coaster of a million emotions to the self every day. Um, but it's, it's really accepting every part of ourselves. Yes. Even when we are out of bed. Balance, right out of center. Or, exactly. Yeah, yeah, accepting that too. That's part of the journey. So two more questions. The next one, yeah, life after death or life after life, really. What do you have to say about that, Denise? I believe in reincarnation. Yeah. So um, sometimes, I mean, this is completely um, like my opinion, like sometimes I'll go to a country and I'll be like, this feels like home. And I feel like, oh, my soul has experienced this before. Or I'll meet people and, and something will feel very warm in my heart. So I believe in reincarnation. I believe that our soul kind of experiences, it's like a puzzle. You know, we're born in a certain family and we get to see that part of the puzzle and then we get to see all these different kinds of the puzzle until we get to a state of enlightenment so you know i think in my opinion i think all the prophets all the all the sages they that lifetime of theirs was the last piece of the puzzle and that's why they were able to get to enlightenment that's just my personal view yeah and my last question is what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment Wow. <laughs> what are three things I know for sure? Yeah. Um, what I know for sure is that we are definitely here to serve. So um, when we, when we, even, even when the, in the darkest of my days and the moments that I'm so sad, I try to remind myself to get out of thinking about myself and think about how I can serve others. And I'm not lying to you, but most of the time my problems really disappear the moment I step outside of the me and I step into we. Um, so for sure, I would say that the first one, we're here to serve. The second one is, you know, everything works if we make it work. Um, 
we are really, really, really powerful co-creators of the world. And if we understand the power of the subconscious mind, we can pretty much accomplish anything. In the eyes of the universe, uh, limitations don't exist. Miracles happen. Miracles time jump all the time. There is no concept of time. So um, when we understand these concepts and we start to use them for good, not for evil, um, really magical things can happen for ourselves. So definitely we are co-creators. We're here to serve. And the last one is is to love, really. And I, I don't mean love in the cliche way, but love is in to see as you beautifully said at the beginning, the oneness of life, the interconnectedness of life. Um, uh, when in the course of miracles, we learn that whenever we see a situation where there is the illusion of separation, to close our eyes and to say, I choose to see this through the vision of love. I choose to see this differently. And to realize that, you know, love is the ultimate state of harmony and bliss and everything else is just an illusion. And uh, don't get so preoccupied with illusion. Choose to focus on on unity and oneness and on love. Mm. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I would say yes forever, Anna, <laughs> on everything you say, the way you say it. Thank you so much, Tanas, for your, it's really an inspiring presence. I love how light it is, how peaceful, how true, how authentic, how clear. Thank you. It's a beautiful, we need that. We need your presence in this reality. Thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing for this beautiful podcast, for allowing people to share their message to, you know, and, and for putting all, I know how much hard, hard work it is uh, running a podcast. So, you know, I see you, I acknowledge that I'm aware of that and I appreciate it so much. So thank you so much for all that you do and for creating the space for, um, for people to, to hear multiple versions yes. of reality. Yes, of the same truth, basically. The same truth, <laughs> that exactly. life is love. Yeah, <laughs> I've been seeing that from everyone. It's interesting, the common idea of hey, life is love. Uh, yeah, so thank you for the encouragement. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So I'm on all social media platforms as Minutes on Growth, and my website is also minutesongrowth.com. So, you know, um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I would love to hear from you guys. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I, I love serving. This is, this is what sets my soul on fire. So um, again, it's my selfish desire to, for you to feel empowered. Um, and I would really, really love to hear from you all. So thank you. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye for now, Tanaz. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tanaz Hosseinpour and her work, please visit minutesongrowth.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.